Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Mama. That's right. This is my mom. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, December 14th. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. John of the Cross. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning of the second week of Advent. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Now, uh, today is the memorial of St. John of the Cross, priest and doctor of the church. He was born in Avila, Spain. The 16th century Carmelite St. John was persuaded by St. Teresa of Avila to join her in reforming the Carmelite order. And as a result, St. John of the Cross suffered many, many Tribulations, including imprisonment, where he wrote the classic spiritual treatise, The Dark Night of the Soul. Professor Annabelle Mosley uh, recently spoke to us on Morning Air about what we can learn from St. John of the Cross. I often found St. John of the Cross this wonderful surprise every time of, oh, I'm so glad I, I leaned on St. John of the Cross. What's wonderful about him is he's directly in the middle of December. He kind of is like holding up the whole month and calling us to that reminder not to forget what it's all about. We all get so busy and Advent is a very notoriously busy time. And it's really St. John of the Cross that has the solution. Can you share with us uh, some of your favorite uh, St. John of the uh, Cross uh, quotes? God passes through the thicket of the world and wherever his glance falls, he turns all things to beauty. He passes through the thicket of the world. We picture him when he chooses to, to, to take on flesh. Having passed through the thicket of the world, he's held in our mother's arms and he's looking around Bethlehem. And we can imagine that wherever his glance fell, that, that infant, uh, infant Christ really did turn all things to beauty and continues to. Um, we imagine how the faces of the shepherds were shining. Um, well, guess what? That glance of Christ is continuing to fall upon us each day when we seek him in the real presence of the Eucharist. So this is really a call to Eucharistic adoration this Advent. Let us beneath the gaze of our Eucharistic Lord turn more to true and lasting beauty. And a big shout out to all the Carmelites out there on this Feast of St. John of the Cross. On Thursdays, I always take a brief moment uh, to uh, remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. During this Eucharistic revival that our bishops have called for, try to visit the Blessed Sacrament sometime today if you get a chance. It doesn't have to be for a long time. Just a, a brief visit to our Lord. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the stories uh, making headlines on this Thursday morning? Well, as we mentioned in the newscast just moments ago, House Republicans yesterday voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry into the president. That was voted along party lines, 221 to 212. Republicans arguing the president benefited from foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden, and the president has maintained he had nothing to do with that. So the inquiry is a step toward potential impeachment. The House will get to hold public hearings and uh, maybe get to find out some stuff, John. 
Yeah, and Glenn, that vote came just literally hours after uh, the president's son, Hunter Biden, made a surprise appearance outside the the U.S. Capitol uh, yesterday morning. Uh, He was supposed to uh, appear for a closed-door deposition with the uh, Oversight Committee, but instead he delivered a a brief statement to reporters on his uh, father's professed innocence uh, before uh, departing Capitol Hill altogether. Uh, We we do have a little uh, sound from uh, that short presser. I'm here today to make sure that the House Committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence, and lies. I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Very defiant, John, not uh, saying he wants to show up for what he's subpoenaed for, but having his own press conference there. Yes, uh, very defiant, uh, Glenn. And can you imagine if just the average citizen uh, was that defiant and did not show up to a subpoena, they'd probably be arrested. Yeah, uh, many calling for him to be held in contempt of Congress there. And uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, and his dad is in a position to, I suppose, <laughs> you know, pardon whatever may happen to a degree, and uh, so maybe to a great degree. So we'll, we'll see what unfolds here. Yeah, and, and President Biden uh, released a statement just uh, after uh, the House authorized the impeachment inquiry, uh, as saying uh, that House Republicans are not joining him in focusing on the issues that impact the American people, instead attacking him with lies. So uh, he's the president's in total denial that he, that he has done anything wrong, and uh, he's really not commenting about his son. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll get to the bottom of this. Well, I think that's the whole idea with this whole <laughs> I- impeachment inquiry process. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, questions uh, and answers that uh, have yet to be gotten. And so I mean, there's a lot going on here over the next uh, you know eleven months till the election. You know, between the the impeachment going on and the, the things around the impeachment, we should say, and then as well as Mister Mister Trump's uh, time. Uh, Time with the various trials coming up in the uh, the next year or two, and you know, squeezing election in along the way. So, very very interesting political year. There's going to be a lot of distractions uh, on both sides, uh, both for the current president and the former president. And then you wonder if some bad actors around the world will take advantage of that or look to take advantage of that. So, you know, in terms of other countries and uh, some military moves. So we have to be on guard for that. Is as our military is. Well, I'll tell you what. I got a distraction for you today so that you don't have to worry about any of this anymore. We're going to play. <laughs> Another sleight of hand for you guys. Here that we go. It's, it's, that was it's, really it's, good. <laughs> <laughs> this like is it. what we wait for every Thursday. What's that sound? And as we are in December, we're doing the uh, Sounds of Christmas edition. So, uh, John and Glenn, I hope you're strapped in uh, tight to your sleigh, hands inside until it lands <laughs> on the roof. And we'll see if you can figure out what these sounds have to do with Christmas. Okay, John, you're first. Are you ready? I'm as ready as can be. Okay, let's see if you can figure it out. That sounds like shoveling snow. Hmm. Maybe this is something you've never done. I don't know. 
Have you ever? Uh, you know, and we've we had the sounds of ice skating previously. It does sound similar, but it's not that. No. Okay. okay mm. Should I do it one more time? Let's see if you guys can figure this out. This is something you do to prepare for Christmas. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. Yes, that, that tape off the tape dispenser, perhaps. And okay. cutting paper and cutting, all that. Cutting yeah. uh, some paper for presents and wrapping. Uh, maybe you guys yeah. are the gift bag type, so you have never had a, But That's, <laughs> that's what, one, of, <laughs> one of the world's great inventions, I must say, oh, the gift man. bag. But I just did some wrapping yesterday. So okay, yeah, so did, you should be sound. familiar. I'm ashamed of you. You do not know what you sound like. Well, pay attention to your sounds as you are preparing for Christmas, because I might be right behind you with the tape recording. And uh, recording some of that. Okay? I'll be thinking of uh, this morning as I uh, wrap a presents this year. And you know what? If you're one of those last minute, you haven't done it yet. So I'll let you off a little early. Okay. So you didn't know. Okay. Here we go, Glenn. Let's see if you can figure out this sound somewhat related. Rip and open those carefully wrapped presents. There you huh? go. Very good. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And um, usually this is reserved um, for closer to actual Christmas. But hey, if you like to celebrate a little sneak peek early, sometimes were you guys one of those kids that uh, tried to sneak into that early? I I think I might have, you know, shaken a few packages and, you know, without breaking them carefully. I never unwrapped anything. I've had friends with great stories of uh, unwrapping and wrapping things up again <laughs> just to see, but you know, that wrecks the surprise. It does. Okay, well, we got one more to go. Let's see if you guys can figure this one out. This is a movie quote, so please kind of let me know if you have figured out which Christmas movie this is from. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus, that there actually is no such person? Miracle well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a Person, but mm-hmm. here I am to prove it. Yeah, very good, very good. Okay, and which version? Because there's multiple versions. Which one would you say this uh, is? Oh, that sounds like the old fashioned yeah, one. Yeah, black and white. You yes, got it. Nan- okay. With a with a Natalie uh now I forgot her Wait name. Wait for it. <laughs> yes, you're right. Uh, little she, Natalie. Yes, little Natalie, you got it. Okay, so she was in that movie very to the first movie of that. Actually, I still think that's the best version. They, they tried to redo it, and, you know, it wasn't too horrible. But uh, first version is always the best. Mr. Chris Kringle himself uh, helping to keep the spirit of Christmas alive. And that's very good for this hour. Hey, stay tuned. Next hour, all new sounds. Fun right. stuff. More later. I'm going I'm to run around the studio making noise, see if I can uh, identify in advance. And there you go. It's good to practice. <laughs> Get your scissors ready to wrap. All right. Thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. First things first, every morning we always start in prayer here on Morning Air, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And we always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as we continue to pray for peace in the Middle East and in Ukraine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And so we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on this program when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Galatians 2, 19 and 20. The Apostle St. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christmas is for the humble. Christmas is hidden from the learned and the clever and revealed to the smallest children, as the Lord Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke. Christmas is also for the humble because the proud just don't fit in the manger scene. We can humble ourselves by repenting, by apologizing, especially by going to confession and worshiping Jesus the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. This Christmas, let's clothe ourselves with humility so that we can see the baby Jesus with our hearts and in our homes. And we always pray with great confidence from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Now, we're coming up on the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? Get into the Christmas spirit with Advent carols of comfort and joy from Relevant Radio, featuring the incredible talents of three young choirs. Take uh, that musical journey to Christmas and even travel through a brief history of carols with our free daily videos. Get all of these beautiful, joyful carols every day uh, that is left here of Advent. It's still not too late to sign up this morning at relevantradio.com slash carols. That's relevantradio.com slash carols. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary, will join us to continue his Prime Matter series. This morning, we're going to talk about the Gnostic ideologies of the modern age. So stay with us. There is much more to come here on Morning Air on this Thursday edition on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. More of Morning Air after this. Jack Frost, get lost, get lost. Little Jack Frost, get lost. You know you don't do a thing but put the bite on my toes. Freeze up the ground to take the bloom from the rose. Oh, little Another Jack Frost, Christmas away, tune that puts a smile away. on don't my face. Back Welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. John of the Cross. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah, thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As always, you can send us an email directly if you have any thoughts or story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation uh, this morning, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, this morning, we're going to continue with the University of Mary's Prime Matters series, where we talk about topics that lead us to think and ponder deeply on issues of faith, culture, and uh, our own spiritual life. Now, human beings have always looked for answers to the most important questions of life. What is good? What is evil? What is life for? Uh, What is death? Where am I going? There is a a Christian vision, uh, the story that Christianity uh, tells uh, that we as Catholics believe, but there are other explanations uh, for human life 
out there that come from a modern uh, secular perspectives. Joining us live is Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air and Relevant Radio to discuss the Gnostic ideologies of the modern age. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. Good morning, Monsignor Shea. Happy Advent. Thanks so much for uh, being with us here this morning. It's, it's always a blessing to be with you. Good morning, John. It's always great to be with you, too. And today's sort of a feast day for you, isn't it? The feast of the great doctor of the church, St. John of the Cross. Yes, uh, it really Saint, is. Uh, and for all the Carmelites out there, and in fact, I've got a, a little crucifix right here with me as a, as a reminder of uh, his devotion to the cross of, of the, the, uh, the great St. John. No, he, he's wonderful, and he, he, he works well into the topic that we're discussing this morning because, remember in his writings, because he was a great spiritual writer and a mystic and a poet, and he said that within the human person there are infinite caverns, that each one of us have infinite caverns within us that can only be filled with God. And so when we're thinking about the salvation story that we believe in as Catholics, when we think about how we were trapped in sin, enslaved to the devil, uh, how we were in bondage, and how God, as C.S. Lewis said, came behind enemy lines as a as as a as a small baby in the incarnation in the mystery that we celebrate at Christmas, and then saved us from our sins. We know that that story, which we believe, that salvation story is the fulfillment of all of our dreams and all of our hopes and sets us free. Uh, but, but we live in an age, and I, of course, I'm the president of a university, and so I'm working with young people all the time who have been evangelized away from that vision, away from the Christian vision of, of human beings being fallen, needing a Savior, and finding and receiving a Savior from God himself into new other visions of reality, which are also salvation stories. And oftentimes we don't understand that, John, in our work of evangelization. We think that, um, that people have just gotten dull and they, they, uh, they've lost the message, and that we just have to reawaken them to the message, not realizing that oftentimes through entertainment, through education, people all around us our young people, and we ourselves to a certain extent, get evangelized into other ways of seeing the world which are secular or even Gnostic, to use sort of a strange old-fashioned term, even Gnostic ways of seeing the world. And if we don't have a sense for what the other ideologies are that people get evangelized into, we won't be able to spread the gospel effectively. Well, there's no doubt that uh, we're all being evangelized, either by our Catholic faith or by the culture. And, uh, you know, the, the old saying that there's nothing new under the sun, um, many of, of these modern perspectives really go back to those ancient uh, Gnostic ideologies. Uh, that uh, are still alive today. Can you explain for those who uh, have heard the term but are not familiar with what exactly um, it, uh, it means, uh, the, the uh, Gnostic heresy, uh, Gnosticism? Yeah, so Gnosticism, we, we br- draw this out at the University of Mary in a little essay that we've just released called The Religion of the Day. Remember, and I think we've spoken briefly about an earlier essay 
called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, which has kind of taken the Catholic world by storm. And we have a new small essay out called The Religion of the Day, and it treats of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, as you said, John, is an ancient corruption or a parasite upon the Catholic faith. In other words, it takes uh, many of the teachings and the the mythic uh, and epic power of the of the Catholic or Christian salvation story, and it diverts it in other directions. And so, it and oftentimes in in the ancient forms of Gnosticism, it relies on things like secret knowledge and those kinds of things. The way that that's been updated in the present age is various. But here are a couple of different options or a couple of different ways. There's a kind of techno-naturalist vision, and I'm sorry to use sort of complicated words so early in the morning, but there's a, there's a kind of techno-naturalist vision which says, and we're all familiar with this, it's kind of a secular materialist vision which says that there's nothing transcendent, there is no invisible world. We didn't come into the world through the creation of a loving God, but rather we evolved in a random, un- inexplicable way that along the way there was a moment in which a spark of light came into us, which was the rise of co- what could be called consciousness. And now we can perfect the world by bringing about a kind of deeper scientific revolution which reveals the secrets of nature to us and reveals how we ourselves somehow can first prolong death and then maybe eventually overcome it. And so when when I explain that and say that it's a Gnostic vision, of course, it seems strange because Gnosticism is this super ancient thing. And, and, and that vision that I'm talking about re, 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 relies upon modern science. And yet the principles behind it are the very same. And so what, and, and, and of course, when I describe it, everybody can recognize that that vision of life, that materialist, techno-naturalist vision is all around us. Monsignor, I, I was just thinking to myself, uh, would the gender ideology uh, uh, philosophy that is just about everywhere right now, just spreading like a virus all over our country and all over yeah. the world, would you would you say that that has also kind of become like a, a like a religion? Is there a relate? Can you see the connection to Gnosticism? Oh, absolutely. So it, that actually uh, it it picks up with the the first vision the techno naturalist one in other words the 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 idea that science using science leveraging science in this case natural science you can overcome things that are imperfect in the created world and so uh, gender ideology for instance might say that my own experience of my own sex or my own sexuality is insufficient and so maybe there's something that needs to change about my body and and so um i can uh i can employ particular medical scientific solutions which will bring about not just my psychological relief but my ultimate salvation through the fulfillment of my person in other words the the suffering and the alienation that i feel can be overcome that relates though john to another kind of Gnostic vision, another kind of modern religion, which is which could be called the equity justice vision. And that's the idea that the whole world 
can be divided into two groups of people, the oppressed and the oppressors. This is the old version of Manichaeism, Manichaeanism, which was a Gnosticism, which St. Augustine, way back, remember St. Augustine, one of the fathers of the church, he was the person who wrote the first ever autobiography, which is his confessions where he says, late have I loved you, O beauty, ever ancient, ever new. St. Augustine was dealing with the Manichaeanism, Manichaeans, who believed that the whole world was divided into good people and bad people. And if you were born into, or if you were part of the bad people, the oppressors, then you couldn't ever really become a good person, but you could become enlightened. You could come alive to the privilege that you have. And then as a result, uh, you could work to overcome the, the oppression which is inherent in the world. And so, yeah, gender ideology brings together these two different strains of modern Gnosticism into one, a techno-naturalist and an equity justice vision. Now, of course, that's really, again, for early in the morning, that's a whole lot of philosophy. That's a mouthful for <laughs> sure. You, you know, but, but I think what's important here is to realize that people get easily converted into these ways of seeing the world because they're salvation stories. Human beings need a salvation story in order to survive. We believe that the Catholic faith provides us with the most comprehensive, most beautiful, most sweeping, most epic salvation story that one could ever imagine. And that it's true that God himself rescued the human race from our sin and brought us salvation by the incarnation, the death, and the resurrection of his son. This is why the season of Advent, preparation for the birth of Christ, arrest us and fill us with such, um, such deep longing and such beautiful hope. These other visions also have to do with human longing and have to do with hope. And it, now the hope that they offer is a kind of this worldly hope, which can never fully satisfy the human spirit, because as St. John of the Cross said, we have infinite caverns within us. And so we can't ever be fully satisfied or fully satiated. We can't be filled up by false visions of the world. But it's super important for us uh, to recognize, and I'm thinking about this all the time in the in the apostolate of Catholic higher education that I'm involved in as president of the University of Mary. We have to remember that there are other visions of reality and other salvation stories which have promises that they make and offer hope uh, that people attach themselves to. And this, this is something that we have to take into account when we're doing the great work of evangelization. Because if we lose sight of it, we'll think that, that we just have a, a really amazing story and everybody else is content being bored. But everybody's either being converted toward Christianity and toward Catholicism, or they're finding a completely different vision of a salvation story. Monsignor, uh, this scripture uh, just came to me. Uh, St. Paul, Romans uh, 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is totally the opposite of uh, what the Manichaeans <laughs> believe. And obviously it's an example of why from a Catholic perspective and a Catholic worldview, we need a savior. And that is what we are praying and, uh, and waiting for uh, with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. John, with that scripture verse from St. Paul, you put your finger on the fundamental difference between Christianity and between our faith 
and the whole modern secular age. People think that the modern secular age is rooted in the rejection of the existence of God. This isn't actually true. The, the rejection of God comes about because first, the fall, the fall of humanity, which in other words, our turn, original sin, our turn away from God toward a false vision of our own freedom is at the root of the Christian faith. And that's what we need to be saved from. If you deny that, if you deny the fall, which G.K. Chesterton said is the only empirically provable part of the Catholic faith, if you deny the fall, all of a sudden you don't need God anymore. And so that's the difference. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that we've fallen short and that we've of, of the glory of God, that we've turned away from God, and that we need to, to turn back toward him, and he needs to reclaim our true allegiance? That's the fundamental question. And of course, the answer is yes, and that God makes that possible, that he allows himself to be loved in that way, is, is, is the answer to all of our hopes. He rescues us. He saves us from our sins. That's what fills us with such joy and hope at Christmas. Monsignor Shea, I got to tell you, I think my guardian angel whispered in my ear because that scripture uh, was not part of uh, the show prep here. It just kind of came to me as we were talking. And, uh, oh, my. Yeah. It is really, you know, sometimes it's amazing. I, I do absolutely believe that <laughs> the guardian angel and the Holy Spirit, you know, directs us, especially when we're trying to get the truth out here to our, our listeners. Uh, we're just about out of time. Can you leave us uh, with your blessing as uh, we're just literally days away uh, from Christmas? Absolutely. Father, give to all of our listeners this morning and give to John and his team at Relevant Radio everything that they need as we prepare for the beautiful feast of Christmas in which you send us your only son to save us from our sins, to rescue us from slavery and darkness, fill our hearts with deep hope and longing. And through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. John of the Cross, and all the angels and saints, may Almighty God bless and keep you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Monsignor Shea, a very blessed rest of the way here in Advent and a Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you, John. Same to you and to all of our listeners. Thanks again. Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. We need to take a short pause. Uh, when we come back, Brandon Scheitler, the lead portfolio manager of the Ave Maria Bond Fund, will be with us to review the markets in 2023 and to look forward to the upcoming new year of 2024. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Yes, yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped 512 points, surging to close at more than 37,000 points for the first time as investors applauded a statement from the Federal Reserve uh, on Wednesday that it could 
uh, cut its benchmark interest rates next year. Now, as the year is coming to an end, it's a good time to look back at how the markets have behaved as uh, we review what happened in 2023. We're also getting uh, prepared and expecting the best for 2024. Our next guest is here to give us a review of the markets uh, in this year and to share what has been forecast in terms of interest rates, labor markets, corporate earnings, and if the presidential elections will have any effect on the economy. Joining us live from Plymouth, Michigan, is Brandon Scheitler, the lead portfolio manager of the Ave Maria Bond Fund and the co-manager of the Ave Maria Dividend Fund. Brandon is also a fixed income and equity research analyst. Good morning, Brandon. Thanks so much for joining us. It is good to be with you once again. Good morning, John. It's good to be on the show again. Absolutely. Uh, any thoughts on uh, the big day yesterday uh, uh, in, in uh, the uh, Dow Jones uh, industrial uh, average? Yeah, it took a lot of investors uh, off guard. Um, if you looked at, uh, you know, futures, the, you know, right before the meeting, a lot of people were expecting two rate cuts out of the Fed next year. Uh, when the dot plot came out from the Fed, uh, it looked like there was about three priced in, or at least that's what the governors were were thinking for next year. So, the uh, the market reacted accordingly, as you saw the the Dow up tremendously, and and every other index up. Uh, a little uh, injection of optimism uh, as uh, we close out the year and head into uh, the next year. Let's take a, a just a, a brief a look back at, at 2023. What what is your take on how uh, this year uh, began and how we're about to finish here? Yeah, I mean, the way it began was pretty pessimistic. If you kind of look back to where we were this time last year, you had uh, runaway inflation. Uh, the Fed was kind of behind the eight ball in increasing uh, interest rates to to knock that inflation down. Uh, Wall Street was really bracing for a recession. Uh, corporate earnings looked like they were going to be, uh, you know, kind of rough in the second quarter, third, fourth quarter of uh, of twenty twenty three, and really that wasn't the case. Um, you know, as as far as uh, earnings goes, um, the the third quarter surprised a lot of folks. And, uh, and, and corporations were a little bit more optimistic and uh, continued to guide uh, higher as, uh, as the, quarter, the, the third and fourth quarter went on. And you see it in the rally since uh, the beginning of November. It's really been tremendous. I think the uh, S&P 500 was up some 8% in November and then uh, December, another, another great month as well. Well, I want to in invite our listeners, uh, if you want to chime in, uh, uh, we're looking back uh, at the economy, the financial markets uh, here in this uh, current uh, 2023. If you want to be part of our conversation with Brandon Schadler, uh, the lead portfolio manager of the Ave Maria Bond Fund, uh, we're looking back at the markets. Uh, do you think that our economy will uh, continue to get better in 2024? We're taking your calls on our Catholic Order of Forcers toll-free line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, if you have any uh, perspectives or thoughts that you want to share. Um, Brandon, uh, you know, I can tell you that as I drive uh, to work, I always take a peek at the at the uh, local gas station here uh, in suburban Chicago on my way to the office, and uh, lately I've seen the the, uh, the price of gas coming down under $3 a gallon, so that's a little bit uh, 
of uh, optimism from from that uh, area? Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as inflation goes, you know, that certainly certainly helps out. It's nice to have a few extra bucks, especially around this time of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at consumer sentiment, it uh, it bounced back last month and it continues to kind of march higher, and it's because. The markets are up, gas prices are down, it looks like inflation, you know, while still kind of pesky, last reading was at 3%. It's, you know, a far cry from the 8 9% we were seeing in the uh, summer of 2022. No no question about it. What about stocks? What is your your take on, on, on the stocks? Uh, I, I know we, we've kept an eye on the technology stocks, which have, have done pretty pretty well. Pretty well is an understatement. They've done exceptionally well. Um, yeah. You may have heard of the Magnificent Seven. That's a, a group of large cap technology stocks, and they've really driven the performance of uh, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. And in fact, you know, you can attribute roughly uh, 70% of the gains in the S&P 500 to those seven stocks. So they've, they've all done exceptionally well. Some are up, you know, three digits, over 100%. I don't think there's one in the group that's up less than 50 percent so they've, they've really driven uh, the the performance of the market uh, this year for sure what about uh, the uh, s p 500 and the nasdaq uh, your your take on where uh, where we're at yeah I mean, if you look at uh you know, pe ratios on a trailing basis you know the valuation on stocks is right in line where they have been historically so it doesn't look like things are overcooked at this point. It doesn't look like a tremendous, you know, uh, a value either, but kind of middle of the road. I'd like to caveat that with uh, don't try and time the market. Uh, we have a piece on our website. Uh, you know, if you miss out on just a few a few big up days, uh, you could really ruin, uh, you know, long-term results. So um, I'd say if you have a game plan, stick to it and uh continue to work and, and continue to invest in the markets. And in terms of, of, of the housing market, uh, do you think that we're going to be seeing lower interest rates uh, in housing? Yeah, I mean, um, mortgage rates are tied to the 10-year U.S. Treasury. Uh, that, that's come down substantially. We're north or right around 5%, I believe, in August, September timeframe. Um, this morning, we're at uh, 39 uh, percent and change. So that's come down quite a bit. I think mortgage rates uh, kind of in lockstep are down as well. Um, leading me to think that they'll probably come down, um, certainly give a shot in the arm uh, to the housing market. I know a lot of folks are, you know, you've locked in low interest rates over the years. So they've, you know, if they've wanted to move or, or, or change houses, they've kind of stayed put. So that could free things up and, and, and certainly help the market. Because when you move into a house, what do you do? You put paint on the walls. There's, you know, sometimes there's big projects, but, you know, a lot of those smaller projects, you're running the Home Depot and Lowe's and, uh, you know, those things matter and they matter to the economy as well. Uh, Brandon, why do you think that uh, the the, uh, uh, the interest rates uh, for uh, mortgages have come down now um, under 4%? Oh, that's the uh, ten-year U.S. Treasury, John. Um, yeah, it, it it's the outlook for the future. Um, the Fed seems to think that inflation uh, is in check. Uh, that's going to ena enable them to lower interest rates next year. 
at least that's the forecast as of now. Obviously, this is all subject to change, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it changes on a daily basis, and it usually does. But um, yeah, it's it's inflation or it's a uh, investor's expectation about the future that uh, inflation's in check and uh, interest rates are going to go lower. Now, as uh, the lead portfolio manager of the Ave Maria Bond Fund, obviously you pay attention uh, to the bond market. Uh, uh, can you share with us uh, how uh, the bonds have done? Yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride for bonds the last couple of years. Obviously, uh, their price is directly tied to interest rates. Um, interest rates um, have, have gone up substantially. But, you know, it created great opportunities for long-term investors. You could lock in higher rates throughout the year, uh, rates that, uh, you know, haven't been seen in, in 20, 30 years. So, if, you know, it, it made sense to, to go in um, and buy kind of intermediate uh, to a little bit longer dated bonds um, as those offered yields uh, that we haven't seen in a while. All right, let's switch gears and uh, try to uh, look ahead to, to, to 2024. Um, uh, what has been forecasted for corporate earnings? Yeah, corporate, corporate earnings look very robust. Uh, in fact, uh, analysts and companies are forecasting roughly 12% earnings growth next year. So that's a, that's a pretty good year. Uh, corporations are starting to reinitiate uh, buyback programs that could be additional fuel uh, to the market as well. So, yeah, cor corporate earnings held up tremendous this year. There was a lot of uh, fear that with inflation that would dip into margins. Uh, margins remained uh, remained healthy throughout the year, so that, that really uh, exceeded expectations. And then uh, next year is, is is setting up to, you know, so far. <laughs> Looks like it might be a pretty good year. And and do you think that interest rates uh, uh, will uh, continue to to go down? Well, according to the Fed, yes. Um, obviously, inflation's still there, John. You know, it, it's they have a two percent self-imposed target. They're still north of that at three point one percent at last reading. Um, there's a few things, you know, that could prop that higher. Obviously, you know, if, if lower interest rates do revive the you know the housing market that's a, a heavy component in the uh in the cpi index so uh it's gonna be tough to say but yeah i mean as of right now it looks like interest rates are going down uh, uh, next year at least according to the fed and obviously a lot of folks uh, keeping an eye on the uh, the labor markets uh, what can you tell us uh, what's your your take on the labor markets uh, is that going to improve, in your opinion, in 2024? Well, the labor market really post-COVID has been pretty tight. Um, and right now, there's still more job openings than folks unemployed. And if you look at the uh, labor force participation rate, it's actually been marching up. So it's kind of pulling folks that have been on the sideline. Um, they could be either stay-at-home parents or... Uh, folks that maybe retired a little early and decided, hey, maybe I want to get back into the workforce or even even younger folks. So uh, the labor market still looks looks pretty decent. And uh, you've probably seen the various strikes that have occurred this year. Um, so kind of that 
uh, middle income is is seeing a, a bigger boost in pay as well, um, even more so than the folks uh, that are kind of in the top decile of of earners. So, you know, looking forward, it, the the labor market still looks looks pretty strong at this point. And here uh, we've got only a few moments uh, left. Uh, your uh, thoughts on uh, the upcoming presidential elections in 2024? Do you think that this will affect the economy? I, <clears throat> yeah, if you look historically, you know, the folks in Washington want to be reelected. And uh, in election years, they tend to ramp up uh, fiscal spending. And there, there's already some squawk of some, uh, some tax cuts. Um, and it, it seems unanimous across the board, both Republican and Democrat, that they want to go through with that. Obviously, they have different approaches. The Democrats more on the tax cut on the uh, individual, uh, the, the child tax credit, and the Republicans uh, repealing a portion of the 2017 tax bill uh, that included, um, the, it was on the corporate side, um, the way they could uh, expense uh, research and development. So. Well, we've got a long way to go uh, to uh, November, uh, but uh, I really appreciate uh, your perspective here this morning on where we've been and where we are headed. Um, Where can our listeners go to learn more about the Ave Maria Funds? Yeah, you could go to our website. It's AveMariaFunds.com. Or if you'd like to speak to somebody, we have an 800 number. It's 866-AVE-MARIA. Brandon, thanks so much for being with us. Have a blessed rest of Advent and a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year. Thanks, John. Brandon Scheitler, the lead portfolio manager of the Ave Maria Bond Fund. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. It's from an editorial from the New York Sun in 1897. Dear Editor, I'm eight years old. Some of my little friends say there's no Santa Claus. Papa says if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Virginia O'Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street, New York City. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus. But even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus. But that's no sign there's no Santa. The most real things in the world are those that no children or men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not, but that there's no proof they are not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders there are, unseen or unseeable, in the world. No Santa Claus. Thank God he lives and lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he'll continue to make glad the heart of childhood. Luke eighteen seventeen. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. 
As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Uh, what a, a beautiful reminder. Coming up uh, in the next hour here on Morning Air, Brendan Gotta, a content creator for Trinity Road and the founder of Gotta Be Saints Apostolate, will be with us to talk about Eucharistic reflections from his time in Poland. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will join us to d- discuss the origin of nativity scenes and how they can help us to relive the history of what took place in Bethlehem. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Thursday in our number two of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.